Bears Nation. Bears Nation. Bears Nation. It's time for the Bears Nation podcast. podcast. With your hosts, Kevin Lapka and Jake Hassan. Drop it in. It's the Bears Nation podcast. Let's get it. podcast it is november 3rd it is wednesday it is a preview episode after yesterday's recap episode couldn't think of the word there for a second myself jake Hassan, joined as always by kevin lapka we have a big game to preview tonight we are going to preview the steelers game that is on monday night we'll do a couple quick notes on the 49ers game too because we have another astounding guest another astounding it's unbelievable it's unreal what we've been able to cobble together here it really is um probably way above our pay grade but it's fine so with that being said tom waddle joins the program of espn thousand fame you all know him you all listen to him and we're gonna bring him in because let's just not even delay this and we'll just get right into it so that being said Mr. Waddle, welcome to the program. Mr. Waddle, Mr. Waddle lives in Tennessee. My dad is Mr. Waddle. I'm Tom. And by the way, your expectation levels are exceedingly low if you are really excited to talk to my dumbass. Well, the thing is, we're our two dumbasses are probably even worse. So it's exactly. our bar is already low. I forget what day it is regularly opening this yeah, program. Well, yeah, that makes two of us, that's for sure. <laughs> well, thank you for coming on. We really appreciate the time. Yeah. And even though it's infuriating to talk about the Bears most yeah. of the time, we're gonna do it anyway and we're gonna have some fun. So let's just get right into it. I mean, me and Kevin talked about the 49ers game yesterday, but what were your biggest takeaways? Obviously, Justin Fields, I'm sure, is one of them. But just what yeah. were your major takeaways from that game? So you know, we went through a list on a show. Um, is going to be, you know, the top 15 most important players for the 2021 season. And obviously, at the top of my list was Justin Fields. My prediction early on was that he would probably get the start against Detroit after a couple of difficult games against the Rams in the opening night of the season. They probably win against the Bengals, and they go to Cleveland against the defense. That was really good up front. Their front seven is very good, and then it would be time to turn to Justin. And then at that point, he would become your starting quarterback for the remainder of the year. Now, you know, the timeline probably wasn't exactly correct, but my theory all along was is this team wasn't going to be a true contender. So the most important perspective that you can have or the most important issue to develop this year would be the the bringing along of your rookie quarterback so with that as the backdrop um you know look i i understand they lost 33 22 i the defense gave up 470 yards and 33 points in 22 minutes that's not good um but when you zoom out and again to reemphasize what i thought was the most important component of the entire season was the development of your rookie quarterback I thought you saw progress on a number of fronts with Justin. So thought he read the field better, thought the ball came out quicker, um, thought they protected him better. Um, and I thought for the first time, maybe all season long, he ran the ball with conviction and he was very decisive. So, um, look, I'm, I'm not one for moral victories, but I saw progress with the young quarterback. So to me, um, you know, we saw progress on the season. Well, the question well, the- I have for you is – is 22 points enough 
Like, is no. that the standard now offensively? Because, I mean, we talk about moral victories, and yes, obviously what we saw from Justin Fields is more of a victory, but we had people saying the offense did enough to win that game. Is the standard that lower? What are your thoughts on what else you need to see there for no. the offense? Because that's I mean, way too low for me. Well, I mean, it's lower. It's three points lower or two and a half points lower than what the average is in the National Football League. So, no, I, I mean, look, it's you got to keep everything in, in perspective, or I, I think you do. Uh, obviously, they're not doing enough on offense. Uh, they're averaging 260 yards, and they're dead last in yards per game. They're dead last in passing yards per game, and they're, what, they're 30th to 31st in points per game. Like, again, I don't, I don't want to give the impression that playing this poorly collectively is acceptable. But again, inside the context of what is most important for this season, when you do see progress from your, your young quarterback, you're encouraged. Now, again, like I'm not one of these guys that is going over the top and is going to suggest to you, well, what we saw Sunday would lead anyone to believe that he's going to be an all pro. He's a, you know, now all of a sudden he's a, he's a candidate to be an MVP or even the rookie of the year. No, I mean, look, he's a rookie that's making mistakes and, He's high on some throws. He's inaccurate in some throws. He needs to take some steam off the football at times. Like there's a long way for him to go. And he's got a, a, a pretty below average to say the least and, and to be kind below average support group, both from a coaching standpoint and from what's inside the huddle. So no, I don't want to give anybody the impression that 22 points is acceptable, but where we're coming from, Progress is what's most important, and on that front of trying to trying to draw a positive out of what was another loss, and and I did see progress from the rookie QB. So is he at whereabout you'd expect? Like you said, you expect him to start week four. He started a little earlier than that. Like as far as what your expectations were with his progress, where is he at? Um, I, I was expecting more collectively from the group around him. I, I mean, I can't deny that. I, I never would have thought that this group, as challenged as I did believe they were. Like this is a this is a, a historic low, or at least in the context of the new coaching staff. This has been my beef all along. Uh, you know, in 2018, your defense was elite. In 2019, they were very, very good. To 2020, they were good enough to be competitive. And early in this year, like they keep you in ball games. So, look, defensively, they're not where they where you want them to be. Offensively, they are historically bad. This is as bad as you've seen in the four years Matt Nagy's been the coach. With that in mind, he hasn't been protected well. I thought they pushed him down a flight of stairs with a game plan against Cleveland. Um, this is kind of who, who I thought he would be. I mean, it's very hard to play this position in this league, especially as a rookie, and when you don't have that great support staff. I think what you're seeing now, too, is, look, when he was at Ohio State, he was an elite football player. He's a fantastic – I thought – I'm no quarterback guru, but I thought he was the second best quarterback coming into this draft this past year yeah. behind Trevor Lawrence. Um, with that said, the offense at Ohio State was one where he would drop deep. He would sit at seven steps. He would you know, look over the defense. He'd hang on to the ball for four plus seconds. And then his elite speed receivers would find a way to get open in these deep combination routes. And then he'd drop a dime on them. Life's different in the NFL. Like you have to, you have to know that the ball's got to come out quicker. What's open at the NFL level is a significant change from what's open at the collegiate level. So, like immediately, you know that he's going to be under duress because your offensive line's not great. He's going to see things he hasn't seen before, um, and now he's having to get used to a quick passing game because the line can't hold up, and he's used to a deep passing game. So, mm -hmm. like you put it all together, and you're 
you're really asking a lot. Again, I go back to the game against the Niners, and what you saw was a decisive runner. And when you're as capable of running the football as he is, it's got to be part of your, your game plan. Saw the ball come out quicker. I saw him be accurate. It's not perfect, um, but we're making progress. And, and, and look, again, it's, it's, you're not going to see a finished product in 2021. Well, do you think so? So is it a coincidence that Matt Nagy's game away from the team is Justin Fields' best game as, as a quarterback? You know, it's it's funny. I mean, obviously you can connect those dots. I think it's easy. I think, it, you know, we're in a game of, of you know, let's see who can be as mean-spirited to Matt as humanly possible. And, and look, these guys are really good guys. I will say this as, you know, a defender of this organization and a proud member of the alumni group. I think Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace are really good guys. I don't think they've been very good at their jobs. Matt was brought here to develop this, this offense or expand this offense, take it into a new dimension and to develop quarterbacks. And I, I don't think we've seen that to this point. So, um, you know, look, it's, it's, it's challenging. It's difficult. Um, I think we're staring, you know, some significant change in the face at the end of this season. And um, it's tough. It's a tough go right now for a young quarterback who's trying to develop with not a huge or a very good support staff around him. Well, you, you've mentioned the support, support staff a number of times now, and here's where I get confused because obviously the offensive line is, is nowhere it needs to be. But I've, I've spoken on the show a number of times that you actually have a very versatile and dynamic offense when you look at the offensive pieces that you have as far as the weapons around them. You take it away when you lose to David Montgomery. But Jameer Bird had 600 yards last year with the Patriots. I mean, Marquise Goodwin was a factor each week with the 49ers last year. They And Allen Robinson is having his least productive year that he's ever had. I just don't find it a coincidence that all of these players regressed because of their talent. There seems to me that scheme is a part of that. And the conversation that a lot of people have, especially when you look, you know, next gen stats does separation, who leads league in separation, you know, all that Allen Robinson, second to last in the league. And people say Allen Robinson doesn't know how to separate anymore. How much of the inability to get playmakers, to football is due to their ability to get open versus scheming them open by the coaching staff and by play design. Well, it's part of it. There's no doubt. And again, to kind of go back and finish my thought from before, look, you, you have a quarterback who is more comfortable in a in a longer developing passing game, and now you're forced to have a quick passing game because you can't protect. Um, the Allen Robinson you know, separation conversation has been around for a, a, a while. Mm-hmm. I mean, Allen, if you go back and look at tape from last year and the year before, I think Allen's, you know, Look, we can haggle over it. Is he the 13th best receiver in the league? Is he the 15th best receiver in the league? Is he the 17th best receiver in the league? <laughs> I think Allen Robinson's the number one receiver in this league. Is he DeAndre Hopkins? No. Is he Stephon Diggs? No. Um, you know, there are a lot of guys that that are better players than him, but there's he's also better than a lot of players in the league. Allen Robinson's kind of a big body guy who has good speed, not great speed. And you're going to have to trust that you're going to have to throw him the football in contested situations. He's got a good catch radius and he's got a good ability to bring the football in in contested situations. I was never a huge fan of Mitch Trubisky for a lot of reasons, but Mitch trusted Allen to come down with a football Mm -hmm. in contested situations. That's just the nature of the beast with him. He doesn't have the ability speed wise to separate himself from other people but a young quarterback's got to learn to throw the ball into a tight window and just trust that Allen's going to come down with the football. If you combine 
Allen's catches and, and yardage over the last two years, I don't think there's five guys in the league that have had more yards and more catches than Allen Robinson. And he's not running free all the time. So it's something that a young quarterback has to learn. I don't, I'm going to be honest, I don't have a great feel for what their route concepts are at times. I really don't. I think, I think you know, Darnell Mooney does the best job at creating separation. That's because a couple of things. I, he's not a perfect receiver, but I think he's got a little shake in his route running, and I think he's got that extra gear. He's never going to be a one because he doesn't have the size, but I, he finds himself a little more space, which then – in the mind of a young quarterback means he's more open. He's more dependable. I'm going to throw the ball there. So look, I think your tight end sticky too. And I mean, Cole command, I played with his dad, Frank. I love him mm. as a guy, you know, he needs to create more separation as well. There are a lot of issues inside this offense that, I mean, you could spend days circling things and never coming to the end of all of them. Yeah, well, so the reason why Darnell Mooney, I think, gets a lot of separation, he's fifth in the league in cushion. So the, the distance yeah. between him and the defender is already seven yards at the line of scrimmage. Right. He doesn't have to do much to have separation in the route. But you talk about the confidence because Justin Fields it leads the league in aggressiveness. Like he's throwing into tight window. He's not afraid to do it. But the point you mentioned, he's not he's afraid to do it to Allen Robinson. Yes. How much of that do you chalk up to the fact that he didn't have the chemistry and rapport with Allen Robinson because of their lack of reps in training camp? Yeah, I, Does it really matter? Does it really I, matter? I got into this fight with Sylvie the other day. Look, obviously, the more you work with someone, the more continuity you're going to build. They decided that they were going to start the season week one with Andy, uh, with Andy uh, Dalton. Obviously, Andy's going to get the number one reps because you're getting ready for the season. Is that going to limit the work that you're going to have with Justin Fields and Allen Robinson? Yes, it is. I'm not denying that that's, that's an issue. Where I, I, I kind of be, I believe it becomes a tired narrative is these guys have been working together in practice for seven right. weeks. Uh, for example, Zach Ertz joined the, the Cardinals a week and a half ago. And Zach Ertz has what in, in two weeks? Seven catches for 100 something yards and at least a touchdown or two. Like, again, that's a, a more well-oiled machine in Arizona than what we have here. Chemistry can be built in a shorter period of time. I think it's a convenient excuse because Allen is, is frustrated with what's going on. The entire offense is frustrated. Would it be better right now if they'd worked more during training camp? Of course. But if you this is like this ain't high school football. Like if you're a professional and Allen's a top 15 receiver, if you can't build some chemistry, in my opinion, in seven weeks. I'm not so sure I'm buying that. I think that becomes a tired art. I think this is a, a small amount of gas on a roaring fire that already exists because your offense is dead last. So I, I said this to Kevin a couple of weeks ago that eventually the narrative of, oh, the chemistry and, oh, Justin Fields wasn't getting the, the starts and, and training camp to you. So it sounds like that argument has run its course. You can't use it. Anymore, for me, right? it has. Look, yeah. I mean – I agree with you. Yeah, I, I, I again, I had the, the perspective at the start of the season, these guys weren't competing for anything. So if Justin Fields would have started week one, I'd been fine with that. Mm -hmm. I'm all for, for – I wasn't one of these guys that was pounding the table either way because I didn't think they were, they, they were true contenders. I think, you know, Justin can develop nicely whether he starts 14 games or 17 games. Come on. I, I mean, like you can develop. And once you've been working with a guy for six or seven weeks – 
why isn't this the same complaint we have with Darnell Mooney? Why, why is Darnell Mooney's cohesiveness with the quarterback mm-hmm. differently? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and to go back to your point, Kevin, too, is, yeah, there is space there because the team is going to respect the deep threat that Darnell Mooney is maybe more than Allen. And you're also going to probably have a safety rolled on top of Allen if, in fact, your belief is that your young quarterback is going to go to him. There aren't a whole lot of guys that scare the crap out of you in this offense coming out of the huddle. So as a defensive coordinator, you know, look, what Todd Bowles did was he gave you different looks. He would show you five and rush four. He'd show you four and rush six. He'd have guys mugging in the A-gap, linebackers, you know, giving the quarterback, the young quarterback, something that he hadn't seen before, and he'd play zone behind it. So, like, I don't know. I mean, I, th- I don't – we can lean on a number of these issues and say, hey, this is the reason why, or – you know, Sylvia and I were yelling at each other. I'm like, look, in my list of things that bother me, way down that list is, is Allen Robinson didn't get the reps in training camp, and now that's why they don't have any continuity. I mean, they're bigger fish to fry than that. So what, what's your biggest fish to fry in that scenario? What's what's your biggest thing with this team then? I don't think that – well, there's a – I mean, look, this is – there are a lot. There's a, there's a number. Yeah, it's, it starts with me that, that their roster doesn't stack up with others. They can't. Really? Protect. Yes. Yeah. Wow. I mean, look, I, I'm not going to sit here and, and, and Marquise Goodwin fills a role. Demir Bird fills a role. Those guys aren't difference makers. You know, um, your offensive line, you put on the tape and you'll see they do create space in the running game. I mean, they do a nice job of creating space. They're pass like there was the second play of the game against the Bucs. You had an eight-man protection. Okay. So you got eight guys, including your back. You've got your quarterback. You're in a two-man route. Justin Fields got sacked in two minutes, 2.3 seconds, because your rookie running back didn't recognize the blitz. And your 39-year-old future Hall of Fame left tackle got beat to the inside. Like you can't play football when you're keeping eight in to block a route and your quarterback's getting sacked in two and a half seconds. So your, your protection isn't there. Your quarterback is playing in a quick passing offense out of necessity. He's not used to that. He's learning the speed of the game. He's learning what an open route and an open window is at this level. You don't have guys that are creating, you know, significant separation and you've got a scheme where the coach has shown you over the course of three plus years that he's not willing to make the necessary adjustments. And look, you've got to develop an offense around what you have. You can't ask what you have to just fit into your offense. Mm-hmm. Like if you made me run in this offense going back in the day, I would have, I would have, I would have, you know, I would have failed more miserably than than I did in my own offense. Like I could get away from guys in 10 yards. Once I uh-huh. got 12 yards, shit got real. And guys were able to to just, you know, lock me up. That's why you had to help me out with rub routes, pick routes. You know, you have to you have to develop your your scheme around the talent that you have and I thought the biggest indictment of Matt Nagy was the 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 offense the design of the offense for Mitchell Trubisky is the the easiest offense in the world to 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 design. You you were limited with what you could ask him to do. You cut the field in half, you run the football, you ask him to see it, you ask him to throw it. And what Matt did for three and a half years was he put Mitch in a – or two and a half years was he put Mitch in a situation to try to 
to do things Mitch wasn't capable of doing. Like mm-hmm. I, I will hold Mitch accountable for not being a guy I don't think you could take an offense to the next level. By the same token, I thought Matt did a miserable job getting the most out of Mitch. It took them to the fifth uh, five games left in the season before they finally put an offense in place that fit what their offensive you know talent was. So, you know, again, I, I made the statement earlier that you go back and look at the Cleveland tape. You knew what you were facing. You were facing a great front seven that had played poorly in the first two weeks. They were poised for a game. You had a rookie quarterback, and you came out in five-man protection. Like, come on. Like, you you just – you can't do it. So, like, they get wise, but they get wise late. So, again, to make a long story short, I got an offensive line that can't protect. I got an offensive coordinator that wants to fit you into his scheme as opposed to fitting his scheme around what you do well. And I got a rookie quarterback. I mean – it's not a it's not a formula for success. They get wise, but they get wise late. It seems like the Bears, even in 2018, that you know, they they start to get hot at the end of the year. Maybe they do it again this year. But the, the question I have is we looked forward to Monday in Pittsburgh. And you saw, you know, we, I talked about I don't know if having a different perspective for Matt Nagy has, you know, watching the game on TV, on his couch, taking notes. I don't know if anything clicks for him from that perspective you'd wish it doesn't because if that's what it takes to be watching the game on tv from your couch to have things click then that's an issue but you kind of saw i wouldn't say a completely different identity but maybe you you understood what worked and you said okay you know i've always said justin fields is in the echelon just below lamar jackson when it comes to running ability and if you get 175 passing yards and 100 rushing yards out of him that that's an offense that could maybe work do they now look at last week's game understand that and go forward say we are going to design more QB runs. We're going to adopt more of the Ravens type deal because quite frankly, the running the rushing offense is good. The rushing statistics are top 10 in the NFL. Dave Montgomery was the top three running back in the league before getting yeah. injured. Cleo Herbert was top three running back uh, before last week, just behind Derek Henry and Jonathan Taylor. Do they take anything from last week and, you know, going forward to pit and forward kind of change the identity of the offense? Yeah, well, I think they should do a lot of, of what they tried to do. And, and I agree with you. The one thing that I saw different in their running game was Justin Fields was more decisive. When he got on the edge mm-hmm. in the past, I think what you've seen him, he's kind of waffled. Do I want to run? Do I want to throw? Yeah. Do I want to run? Do I want to throw? And you're kind of caught in, in halfway. And I would say, you know, looking at at, at the tape, he decided if, if it wasn't a complete – wide open, gimme throw, I'm tucking and running. And it's got to be a part of their offense now because it's, 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 they're limited in what they can do. Like, look, I don't think any of us are ever going to confuse him with Lamar Jackson. Lamar's just got wiggled that, that Justin doesn't. Justin's below him. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Lamar's just a, he's a, he's a different guy with regard to that. And Justin comes from an environment like at Ohio State, Justin wasn't a running quarterback. Justin was a guy who played well from the pocket and ran when he had to because he's such a great athlete. Here's the difference that I see. Like if you again, what the 49ers were trying to do is they were crashing their ends every single play. Bosa was flipped over to a side he wasn't used to playing. They were trying to match him up with Larry Borum, who did a nice job. And they were crashing their ends every play to try to stop the Bears running game. What they were doing was is they were giving Justin a, a, a release to the outside mm. and Justin made him play, made him pay. If you go back and look at how other teams have defended them, you haven't seen that commitment to crashing down from the ends. 
I don't believe that Mike Tomlin is accomplished of a coach as he is and TJ Watt and Cam Hayward. I don't think you'll see them play the same defense because they'll look at that film and they're all just. They'll see that if you crash your ends and you give Justin the ability to break contain on the edge, he's going to make you pay. And he showed for the first time the willingness and the decisiveness to tuck and run and make a, you know, a, a decision that I'm going to take the 15 yards running and maybe not try to take the six yard pass. And so what I think you'll see, I mean, TJ Watt is, I think is the best, the best difference making defender in the league right now where he can get to you and he can change a deep or change a game, you know, probably, you know, to a greater degree than anyone else. And look, they played miles Garrett. He's a great player. I think TJ Watt can do some different things. I think what you're going to see them do is, is try to, to contain things more up the edge or uh, on the edge and force Justin not to get on, on the perimeter, but to go through the tackles and go, and that'll change the way that the offense is, is going to have to accomplish things. So I want to see the, the, the commitment to the quarterback running the ball at the end of the day, though, guys, in this league, you're going to have to play the position from the pocket even Lamar has to play it from the pocket at times. It's what mm-hmm. Russell Wilson does that makes him such a special player. Russ can get out on the edge, but Russ can beat you from anywhere on the field. I think that the I, look, it's just my opinion. I think Mike Tomlin and the and the Steelers are going to try to force to keep Justin pinned in more than what the 49ers did. And we'll see if they can can actually find some running lanes between the tackles or inside more so than getting to the edge. Well, I was, was going to say with the state of the offensive line, we've established that, it, you know, especially at left tackle, you kind of have a subpar group. Is That's going to be a problem, right? I mean, you're going to have yeah. issues. Yeah, I mean, look, if you think you're going to drop back and throw it 40 times and just rely on, you know, on them securing a pocket, I think, uh, you know, I think you're going to be sadly disappointed. It's just hard to do that. Um, and I don't, I, you know, I don't think they need to do that right now. Run the football, run play action, do get him on the edge. Um you know, it, and it won't work sometimes, but keep trying to do it. Get the ball out quick. I mean, there are certain things you can do as a, an offensive coordinator to help your young quarterback, but then you also have your young quarterback has to grow and has to. And that's where, again, I think you know, there's two things about Justin Fields that I'm excited about. The one is, is that he's got a very short memory and a very thick skin. And by that, I mean, there are a lot of quarterbacks that would have come out of that Cleveland game and been scarred for a long period of time. He showed what everyone was worried about. Yeah. And, and look, it was fortunate for them. They played the lions after the, the, the Browns, but you saw no sh- signs of him having any residual impact from, from absolutely being destroyed and go back to the, to the, the Tampa Bay game. He turned it over five times. It's not all on him, but he had five turnovers. There's a lot of young quarterbacks that that wouldn't have been able, wouldn't have been something that he could have gotten out of his head. What did we see? We saw Sunday against the 49ers, the game that I thought he made the most progress. So this kid is resilient. He doesn't get down on himself uh, in any way, shape, or form. He can bounce back. And as I said, I think what we saw this past week is his ability to kind of adapt and grow quickly. And he's going to have to learn that the ball is going to have to come out quick. He's going to have to make some anticipatory throws. And I think you see progress there. So that, to me, is what's most important. 
And I think if they want to win on Sunday first or on Monday, rather, first of all, I mean, this game is going to be ugly. And I apologize to all the NFL fans in the world. There's a reason Eli Manning and Peyton Manning are taking a quote bye week on Monday because they don't want to have to sit here and try to entertain guests throughout the course of a, a slugfest 15 to 13 football game. They're probably going to see. But if they want to win, I mean, I think the Bears can win this game. I, I think that's a fair assumption to make. Uh, I, to me, the, the biggest issue that I've had of recent is what they do in the red zone and specifically. Specifically, yeah. what they designed. I, I, I was looking at the play that they ran to Cole Komet where Fred Warner deflected it. It, it was five wide empty. Four of them were uh, were hit, were go routes, and then it was an in route to Cole Komet. Why? A question I have is if you if you're so you're the coach, you're going into that situation. You have four four plays. Let's say you have four plays inside the five, inside the ten. Assume you go for it on fourth down. What are you running? Because to for me, I'm taking at least one slant route to Allen Robinson. I'm taking a one-on-one to Jimmy Graham. What are you doing in the red zone there, and what do you expect him to do on Monday, and then yeah. we'll let you get out of here? No, I, I mean, it's a good point. I think it comes down to scheme again. And, you know, it's a good – that play is also a good example of where the young quarterback will, will make some improvement. Like, you got to throw that ball. Most Again, most touchdowns, most throws in general – are contested throws because the guys on the other side of the field, they get paid and they're really good. That ball's got to be closer into Cole Komet's body and you got to mm. take a little zip off of it. You can't throw it that hard. Again, it's something that you'll learn the longer you, you play. I just don't – I don't like spreading guys out at the goal line. I like creating – I like bunching guys together and letting – giving them space. It's already hard to work in the red zone because you're limited vertically – with the back of the end zone. Mm -hmm. Why are you spreading guys out and now limiting what you can do, you know, horizontally as well? Like give me a set where I got a tight end and I got Wendell Davis next to me and Wendell can go to the corner and I can pick my guy off of his guy, or he can pick his guy off of my guy. And at the end of the day, you find yourself a little bit of a scene unless you've got guys that you trust can win one-on-one battles. And as I said, Fred Warner's arguably the best middle linebacker in the league. Mm -hmm. Cole Komet's a second-year player, hasn't proven that he can, you know, can create separation that's necessary. So why is that the route that you're leaning on? I mean, I'm with you. I, it's stuff that I, I I, just I look at and I question whether or not you're putting guys in. But look, this is the deal. He's bringing this offense from Kansas City. And the quarterback who's throwing the football is throwing it to, you know, to, to, to guys that we don't have. Travis Kelsey makes that move, creates a little bit of separation. And, and Patrick Mahomes throws it in a spot where it's still inside his body and he makes the catch. We don't have those guys. So, like, tailor your offense to what you do have. And, like, you see some of it now. You've seen them, you know, with Bill Lazor, I think. Again, I think you saw this past this past week, I think you saw a commitment to more more quarterback runs, which is important. Yes. You saw them do some things where the ball is going to come out quick. Um, you create some looks where, as you mentioned, uh, Darnell Mooney's got some soft coverage. Like, help me. Like, you got to help me. Like, I, you know, you just got to help me. Help me. You, like, I would come to the sideline and, and look to them and say, you know what my limitations are? Help me. Like, right. I, I, help you, me help you. Guy. You know, I got, I got, I got Daryl Green on me. Once I get to 12 yards, Daryl Green owns me. He owns me from <laughs> zero to 12 yards anyway, but. I at least got a chance in the first three or four yards. Help me get away from Daryl Green. Mm -hmm. I don't see a lot of that. 
So right. frustrating. No. And so before we let you go, what's your game prediction? You got one yet? Have you gotten that far yet? Well, here's the deal. Like I, I got burned picking the bears over the 49ers because I started picking games based on the opponent. Yeah. And I looked at the 49ers and okay, look, I, they've, they really don't they don't threaten me. You got one receiver really I'm worried about, Debo Samuel, the rookie running back Mitchell. Really? Jimmy player. Garoppolo doesn't scare you, is what you're saying? <laughs> like, I like Jimmy more than most, but you know, like that's that's not a matchup that their defense, you're missing two of your interior defensive linemen, you're missing Tart, your safety. Like I predicted the Bears would win that game 20 to 17. You're at home. Mm -hmm. You should be able to get Jimmy off his spot, affect him, and maybe he'll throw one to you. Um, so I picked that game. I picked the Bears not just to cover, but the Bears to win the game, not because of the Bears, but because of the opponent. Well, I'm done with that crap. Um, so now <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not picking the game based on the opponent. I'm picking the game based on our team. Look, I got Mike Tomlin. I got TJ Watt. I got Cam Hayward. I mean, I got guys that I think match up better against our guys than our guys match up them. So, like, look, it'll be a pillow fight. You know, it'll be one of those games that is 27. I just don't think you go to – I don't think you go to Pittsburgh on Monday night and beat Mike Tomlin. Yeah. I mean, is it impossible to do? No. But if you make me – I'm not going to make the mistake this week I made last week and pick the Bears to beat an opponent because I didn't trust the opponent. This is more about the Bears going forward, and I just – I don't have the faith in them that that maybe some people want me to have. <laughs> oh, I, yeah, I think a lot of people want to have faith, but it's a, a little lacking right now, given the state of the state of the union, we'll call it. But so, and, and listen, listen, it, it it burns me to say that because, like, I love this team, um, mm -hmm. but it's also my job to be honest about them. Like, I'm not taking pot shots at anybody. I'm not calling anybody a loser or lazy no. or. It's just a matter of what you see. I mean, Ryan, Ryan's been in that spot for seven years now, and the roster doesn't match up. The coach has been there for now going on his fourth year, and we're still at the bottom of the barrel statistically in important stats. So um, tough spot to be in for sure. No, it is. And we get the joy of watching it, these, these make your eyes, yeah. eyes bleed games. But, Tom, thank you so much for your time, man. We appreciate sure. it. You got it, guys. I appreciate you having me. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Thanks. Take it easy. Thanks, Tom. Tom Waddle, everybody. Man, Bears Nation podcast heater right now. On a this, roll. On a this, roll. I mean, this this game is just going to be such a make your eyes bleed game. Like this is going to be going to such a brutal game to watch. Bears lose. I mean, three to two, maybe. Bear uh, a safety and a field goal is all we get. Oh on night. I mean, I think I think it's possible. Three two. Would, oh, is, would that be scoregami? I, I imagine I it would that, have to be. I don't know, man. I mean, when did they start recording Scoragami? Did they include well, I, I all think games it goes, since the I inception think it goes of football? Too. I don't know, but that because was because it be, had. You tell me there was no gross. three two in the nineteen forties. That's come fair. on. Uh, did they have? Did they even have safeties somewhere. though? Then that's that's oh, probably not. It's, you gotta, uh, since you the inception of the since the inception of the safety is is the question. Some there's some listener out there who's got to do the research for us and if you do email yeah, us comments, podcast at comment section is awfully quiet tonight. So if somebody The comment section that, goes dark when we have guests. That's, that's what true. I've noticed because they, they like making fun of me and you, but they as don't they want to make fun of a, a man as established as Tom Waddle or Adam Amin or anybody with no. actual credibility about anything. Uh versus that's, Well, us. that's why we got to get Shane back then. 
Yeah, the, we'll get Shane back and the comments will be because that, yeah, I mean, and that'll happen. We'll, we'll, we'll get that back and it'll be off the rails as it usually is with him. Uh, but I, I'm, yeah, I'm not expecting a lot. Of, I mean, so here's the thing about, let's talk about this game a little bit. I know we talked about a whole oh, lot of different yeah. things with Tom. Um, what, did you have something to say? No, I mean, talking about this game as usual, you know, it is Bears Nation podcast. Well, we were talking about whole, a whole lot of different things with Tom. We were, we were covering all the we, bases. We got to the game at the end there. Finally, we did. We did. Uh, a little what do you mean, finally? That was like the last 15, okay, 20 minutes. I, yeah, I don't know what I'm saying. All right, we, we, good. we got that's to That's really that's good, considering you're on a live show you know, with guests this, like Tom Waddle, and you don't know what you're saying. That's really good. Well, see, I know what I'm saying. When the guest comes on, when he leaves, it's like, all right, yeah, now so we you just get um, back to our typical right. Uh, it says the guy who forgets the date every single week. I don't yeah, think so does Tom Waddle, so I don't need to, to deal with Okay, that. true. Well, Tom Waddle's a little bit older than you are, my friend. Whoa, whoa, so I, I think whoa. I think we have to take that in the factor. Look, the Steelers haven't scored 30 points all year, right? I mean, and and neither have the Bears, if I'm correct. I mean, the, what was the highest they scored? 24? This year? Or did they? Yeah. 24. 24. So, look, the, the weird game. thing about the Steelers is – they're they're similar to the Bears, where and what I mean by that is they can actually go out there and beat any team any given day, and I think the Bears can do that honestly. Like you, they've beaten the you know the the Bengals, who yes, just lost to the Jets. They beaten the Raiders. Like they can pull off good victories. The Steelers beat the Bills week one, and week one sometimes is always an anomaly. But this is still a team with a really good defense that that can win any any time they go out and play, but also have the ability to just fall apart and lose really badly, and that's evident by the fact that. All of their wins are by one score, and all of their losses are by two scores. So they're they're either winning by a very close margin or not getting blown out, but losing you know by at least uh, at least a score by two scores. So that's well, why this game actually it's kind of some of their losing margin. I mean, they lost twenty six to seventeen, lost by nine to the yeah, Raiders, lost by nine, that's lost by fourteen scores. to the Bengals, two lost scores. by ten to the Packers. So actually, it's only the one. Yeah, so they beat nine the by eight though. That was kind of weird. Yeah, anyway, that's still that's technically address. one score, yeah. but eight. You're be, you know. So this is like, I, I'm, I want to get excited, man. Here's the thing. Here, okay. So Monday here's my night, thing with the Steelers. Man. So I mean, Tom brought up a bunch of really good points as far as the matchups being there, but also like the Mike Tomlin effect here is huge. I mean, the disparity in your head coach and their head coach is insane. Like probably some one of the biggest that we've seen in the Matt Nagy era. I would venture to say. Like I, that might, I, yeah. I, I can't remember everyone off the top of my head, but you know, like he's played just about everybody. I mean, it's yeah. Right. But it's still like that disparity is enormous. And it's the biggest you faced this year. I think, I don't think, right. Probably. Eh. No. Yeah. I would say it. it's the biggest you faced all year because people are all out on Shanahan. It seems like now. So McVay maybe, but you know, yeah, true. Okay. That's a good point. But Tomlin's but, just with his experience. Regardless. Well, and I mean, he's won a Super Bowl, so it's like... Multiple, yeah. It, it's scary. And the Steelers, though, you made a, a comparison to the Bears. You said they're a similar team, which I don't completely disagree with. The problem is the Steelers are already kind of over their hump. They had their losing streak already. They lost three in a row in the middle of the season already. You know, they, they lost... Mm. You know, they, they won week one, like you said, they beat the Bills, but then they lost to the Raiders, the Bengals, and the Packers. And two of those games were at home. And they came out to beat the Broncos, Seahawks, and Browns. And now they're coming into this game with the chance to extend it to a four-game winning streak. Bears, obviously, in the middle of their three-game losing streak. So, like, the Steelers are on the up right now while the Bears are on their down. Like, it's it's not a great spot to be going back. I mean, to use Tom Waddle's uh, 
analogy again, the matchups, not analogy, but his point, the matchups again, that matchup, even the way your schedule is right now and the way your team is trending right now is not in your favor either. It's yeah, brutal. it's, it is brutal, but I, and, and that's where it's like, maybe he's right. And, and maybe I should start thinking this way as well as too many times have I spoken about, Oh, the bear, the bears yeah. are riding the hot street, that's, right? That, well, maybe he, that. Yeah. That's not his I mean, point about we got to start looking at it from where the bears are. That kind of was like I I that made something like a light bulb almost. That, like, okay, but, that's but, something we do a lot on this but, show. But you want to know why? You want to know why the light bulb went off for you and I think this is very evident and this is my line of thinking always is because like I still he he's right where when you talk about some of the talent specifically I think when he was talking about talent being below the uh, the what what other teams have i think he was specifically referencing the offensive line because when he went in depth on that he started to talk about you that, know, was uh, the, uh, that was the first yeah. thing because yeah like marquis goodwin and demir bird are, are filler guys and yeah they're not the best but you've seen teams do more with less so like i'm not i'm not going to sit here and say the talent but, of the bears but that, playmakers but his is point better. was being that because those were the ones we were referencing but you know justin fields isn't a game changer yet you know David Montgomery, sure. we love him, but he's but, not a he's not a game changer. Like I think that was Tom Waddle's point is that you have these guys, but right now they're, they're just guys. guys. You don't have anyone that takes them to the next level. You know, okay. you don't have anyone that brings you. You know, like you brought DeAndre, you bring DeAndre Hopkins to this team, for example. DeAndre Hopkins takes Justin Fields to another level. You know, Devonte Adams brings Justin Fields play to another level because he's a game changer. He's he's a, a what's the word I'm looking for? He transcends like those normal baseline guys like Demir Bird and Marquise Goodwin who are just baseline guys. Allen Robinson has been just a baseline guy. Like he doesn't bring anything extra that helps you out that much. I think that is more of what the point was. And that that there, there's validity to that for sure. But now if you look at the matchup, I mean the Steelers don't have a guy like that. I mean at the current moment. I and mean, Najee Harris is is good, but he's not well, that they, they have, have TJ no... Watt. You know, oh I I'm talking have... offensive side of the ball. Offensive side okay, of the ball. Yeah, but, but whole yeah. team. I mean, defensive side of the ball, the Bears got plenty of those players. They they got Roquan Smith and and, and Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn has, has well, played Khalil that Mack's way not this year. Play this week. Is he for sure out? I mean, I mean I'm 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 I don't looking think... at this game as if he's not going to play. That's terrifying. Uh, he wasn't put on IR, so I don't right. I don't believe he was put on IR. So I don't think it's and for we don't sure have that he's out. Report until for some reason, that man just I, I think he's got supernatural healing ability for the most part. I mean, he every week he's on the injury report. It's a shocker when he's out because 90% of the time he shows up as do not practice for the first four days and somehow plays on Sunday. Well, uh, maybe the three, extra day, so. the extra day is Monday. So he, he's going to get an extra day of rest and that'll be the difference. But um, I just, I, I, what I'm trying to say is that this is, this, this is, this is a game. This is a game that you can win with these pieces. And yes, I don't, yes, like I, yeah, that, that, absolutely going up against the Buccaneers. No. But in, it, on on Monday night against the Pittsburgh Steelers, you can win with what you have. I forgot my initial point was going to be. Well, however, but, but back to Waddle's point is we have to look at this from the state the of the point, Bears right. because right. we well, because we right. did that with the Niners too. We said, okay, you can win this game with the pieces you have, and then you right. lost by eleven. That was the point. That was the point. So you look at it in the state of the Bears, and, and the thing that the mistake that I make, the mistake that most people make too, and the reason why this season sucks and last season sucks is because, and this goes back to the pieces, everything is because you know they're capable of more. You can have your, you can no matter where you think the Bears are from a playmaking standpoint on offense and from a personnel standpoint rather on offense or defense, you know they're more capable of what they've shown this year. That 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 is a simple fact. You yeah. know that's a fact. The the roster is built to be better than what they are. The defense is built to be better what they've been. 
So you pick these games week after week, thinking that they're going to be what you expect them to be. Every week, I think, although they lost, there's a chance that there's a chance that they could just come out on Sunday as what they're supposed to be because they've done that in the past. If they hadn't done that in the past, I wouldn't think that way. But it's mm-hmm. literally you're playing roulette every week. Is this the week they're going to have a Raiders Bengals type game where they look like a complete team? Or is this the week where they have a Rams Buccaneers type game? You really don't know. Some of it, and 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 that's why Jake and that's why Wild says this is it's not always based off the opponent. Yeah, when you have a good opponent playing you, it, you are you can easily pick against the Bears. But when you look at like a Bengals or or or, 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 or a, yeah a Bengals or a Raiders where you don't really know, you still don't really know about either of those two teams. Or even look at bad teams. Sometimes the Bears don't pour, perform well against bad teams. You're literally playing roulette. So going into this week. It's like I don't I I always want to pick because I just I just I always want to pick based off of what I feel like they are capable of, not what they have shown me in the past because it's so it's it, it's so variable. I don't do you know what I'm talking about? And I think that's why people have it's like Jake, you're the betting guy. Why do people never bet on the Atlanta Falcons? It's the same exact thing. Because the Atlanta Falcons every <laughs> yeah, but some weeks they win. Some weeks they win like thirty five to three against good or against good teams, and they beat the Buccaneers on and things like that. Like. They're just like that in that where sometimes they can, I mean, and this happens in the NFL. Yes. Any given Sunday, any team can win on Sunday, but with the team, the personnel that they have, I do feel like they can at least be in the game and have a chance to win. And I pick based off of my expectations and based off of what I think they are capable of. So I guess I'm, what I'm saying is I'm wrong. I'm wrong for thinking that way. And I feel stupid for thinking that way, but that's why I do it. Also, I just want to circle. You you said the Falcons beat the Bucks, but you like wh- not this year. I think I was, I was gonna say. Year. I was like, no. what are you talking about? I'm dude? pretty sure they beat them last year. I'll, I'll, I'll fact check me on that. I, I said a team like the Bucks. I don't know if they actually beat the Bucks last year. Um, because they, they, I was gonna say because they got their doors yeah, beat they, off them uh, <laughs> not, this not year. This week. Um, not, not this no, week. I mean it's just I would love to look at this Steelers team and say, okay, this is a beatable team. Okay. This is a team that has lost some gross games. Okay. This is a team that sometimes they come out flat. The problem is, and I keep going back to this point that Waddle made because I thought it was really good. You have to start looking at like the bears. Yes. We know the bears can come out like they did against the Bengals or the Raiders, but they haven't more often than not, especially since the start of last year, more often than not, they will come out flat and they will come out uninspired or mm-hmm. they will come out and just get their teeth kicked in because for whatever reason, it's just not working. Yeah. Sometimes they pull out those miracle games like the Raiders and they were ready to play and wire to wire. They were a good team, but we've seen that and we could probably count it on two less than maybe even one hand. The amount of times we've seen that over the last two seasons, season and a half, like it's just, yeah. we have to start being more realistic about this team. And I know we tried it. We've tried to do that on the show multiple times so i mean we do what we can but you know i mean obviously you want to be positive too but i mean we're gonna see the naggy effect in full-blown naggy effect this week like there's gonna be some because i don't separate i don't think the 49ers and the steelers are that far apart like i i don't know if that's taking yeah but they're very similar too i I think they're similar-ish teams where I like, let's put it this way. I don't think you're going from Tampa Bay to San Francisco. You know, I like, I don't think you're going from the Rams to the Bengals. Like, okay. I, I think there's the, close enough where you can make comparisons where you can see if the Bears come out flat or they come out like, and the offense stalls immediately and Justin Fields has a bad game. 
like people are going to say that's the Nagy effect. And, and I mean, I don't know how fair that is anymore. I don't, I'm so confused. I, Cause Waddle made some really good points about how you have to objectively look at this and it's not all Nagy cause you know, whatever, but it's just going to be very interesting. And I think, I mean, Matt Nagy and his ego, he's going to want to out coach Tomlin and I could see Matt Nagy trying to get really cute with this game. And that's how you lose it. Cute as in what? Like as trick in plays just, and just, like yeah, that. trick plays are just trying to do too much as opposed to like Waddle said, looking at what worked last week and leaning into it. Like I could see Matt Nagy go, okay, I got to make an impression on Mike Hall of Fame uh-huh. coach, Mike Tomlin. Try to outsmart him. Yeah. Classic, yes. Classic try to be the smartest guy in the room mm-hmm. when he's clearly not and try to prove that he's the smartest guy in the room when he's clearly not. That I think that's a very real fear for me as to how you can lose this game because Matt Nagy tries to get too cute and tries to stroke his ego by trying to outcoach Mike Tomlin. I think that's very real as well. I mean, we've seen that in the past. It's, it's just that disparity is evident on Sundays, and, and and him trying to overcome that is evident. So I think I don't think the effect is as great as what people may believe, honestly. And, and Wado alluded to that too. Is like you can connect the dots in areas, but it's not it, it's not a complete correlation between. Justin Fields having his best rushing day on Sunday, best performance as a rookie and Matt Nagy being out. Like there are certain areas, and we talked about this on the 49ers recap, there are certain areas that you can chalk up to that, whether it be the confidence for Justin Fields to run and the decisiveness and his willingness to do that on fourth down in the red zone. But as far as the way they actually come out as a team, I don't think that's going to change as much. And 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 because again, if it and what I mean by that is it's it's about the team as a whole, because you can break down every single little factor and every single little X and O and say, Oh, well, how does the, you know, the loss or the absence of Matt Nagy affect that? Look at, look at how they came out as a team. They didn't come out with any different energy. They didn't come out with any different sort of fire. They, they, they came out flat as usual. They can't, they didn't make adjustments after halftime. This is something that it, it it's a whole staff issue. I think like if, if that were really, if there were really some sort of evidence to believe that the law, the absence of Matt Nagy changed something with this team, you would have seen a different team. You would have seen a different energy. You would have seen a different kind of fire coming out of the game and coming out of halftime. And you saw the same old thing that we've seen right. under the four years under Matt Nagy. So that's why, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't think anything changed and, and it's going to be the same old thing you're going to see on Monday, the same old Matt Nagy, the same old coming out flat, the same old no adjustments. But one thing I wanted, we have some news too to talk about real quick as we kind of wrap up the show here. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, we'll get to that in a you second. Know, you know we're wrapping um, up because Kevin's leaning back in his chair holding his mic. This, the classic we, Kevin Lapka wrap up. The, the classic move. The classic that, Kevin Lapka. Okay, it's the last seven, eight minutes of the show. <laughs> exactly. That, that's how you know. It's, it's just the end. Of, it's, it's become a thing now and I have to do it. Um, I So I was really conflicted. I was very, very conflicted during the trade deadline because for, well, for, and I'm still very conflicted. Number one, everyone thought the Bears were going to be sellers. But Ryan Pace a few days ago said the Bears would be aggressive. So no one really knew what was going to happen, and nothing nothing happened, okay? Nothing nothing at all happened really across the NFL. It was one of the, I think, less interesting trade deadlines of all time. But now there's a guy who's having some issues in Cleveland, and he might become available. And there are people wondering if yeah. OBJ, who will likely be cut by the Browns yeah. very soon or be waived, be a Chicago Bear. And he, and and the greater question that I have, well, here's the greater question that I have. I don't think it's as much about, you know, Odo Beckham Jr. as it is anyone. Is I don't I don't like as good as he is. is he? I don't feel confident, Jake. Odo Beckham Jr. is a talented player. His situation. Okay, he's talented. Better. That does not make him good. I th- I think he's good. 
I, I'll, I'll say, I'll, if, if we're talking, we're drawing a line in the sand and on one side of it is good and the other side is bad, I'm going on the side that is good, okay? You can you can maybe make the case he's average. I still think he's good. I think he's in a bad situation in Cleveland and, and with a bad, you know, uh, rapport with the quarterback. I think that's the main issue because Kevin Stefanski is a great offensive Going to Cleveland was supposed coach. to fix his career. Yeah, well. That, that was supposed why. to be what made him good, going to Cleveland. I know. But Baker Mayfield's issues, I don't know. Anyway, the the, the thing that – because obviously, Jake, what happens with Bears fans? Every time a guy goes on the waiver wire, the, the tweets are firing. <laughs> pick him up, pick him up, pick him up, boom, boom, boom. I don't care if it's a, a, a 40-year-old drunken you know guy who just got out of retirement or a, whoever it may be. I, I wasn't alluding to a specific person. I'm just saying no matter who it is, <laughs> no matter who it is, who it is? The Bears are gonna. The Bears fans are gonna hey, ask Jason the question. Jason Peters on, is never coming yeah, on this show. Not, Good God! I wasn't alluding to Jason Peters. It sure did sound like it. First of all, Jason Peters is thirty nine and he's not drunken. I was alluding. I was. I was talking about an extreme of no matter who it is. How bad that player or good that player may be, Bears fans are gonna ask the question of whether that player should be a Chicago Bear. That's what we do with this fan base. But you bring. I just see the fact you paused, like you knew where you were going, and you still like you heard it because I saw you go for it, and then you heard it, and you stopped for a second, and then you just said like, "Screw it, I'm in too deep," and you kept going. I well, I I I didn't know that you thought I was alluding to Jason Peters. Now I feel bad. I wasn't. You knew you were. I wasn't. I alluded. I was not alluding to Jason Peters. It was accidental. He's not drunk, and he's not forty. It was accidental, but you still knew. No, I didn't know that. Way too close to where. Yeah, for a sec, I realized after I was like, wait, that might be a little bit too close of an actual player on the team who went through that situation. It took me a second. I realized it too late, but that's beyond the point. I I. I did not intend that to be about Jason Peters. I love Jason Peters. That man's, that man's great. And now Jake's doing it. Now Jake's sitting back in the chair with the mic and I'll do it too. Um, but anyway, <laughs> OBJ, the thing, the thing that I'm worried about is I don't care if it's OBJ. I don't care if it's Devontae. Well, maybe I care if it's Devontae Adams. Anybody outside of Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs, and Tyreek Hill, who is coming over here and producing in the offense? You know what I mean? I'm I mean, that, that's why, I, you know, people, I don't. I, I don't know, Jake. Are they? I don't know because of the way this offense is built, and the and and I'm using this based off the evidence I have from from Allen Robinson and Justin Fields. I don't know if bringing in, I mean, I would want them. I let me just make this clear. I I if OBJ became available on waivers and he dropped to the point where you were able to pick him up, I would do it immediately. But I would have part of me that's skeptical that you're able to do anything with him because you aren't able to do anything with the other weapons that you have on offense. Right. Agreed. Is that valid? I mean, I no, think that's valid. I, I think that's completely valid. I, like that was, if you hadn't said that, I would have said it to you. Like I, I would have said, what faith do you have? And I mean, I guess we could say this to, you know, the people watching or listening, you know, why would you want OBJ here when you can't even make use of your second year tight end or Allen Robinson or Jimmy Graham for that matter? <laughs> like you can't, you can't make use of half the guys on your offense. What makes you think you like, if Ob, if Odell Beckham Jr. is frustrated ah. now, Bring him to Chicago. He'll be kicking and screaming to go back to Cleveland. Right. <laughs> like, You're probably not wrong. Probably I, I mean, I don't, like, like, are there? Uh, there can't be many. Word like, if you're an offensive player, let's say, like, let's mm-hmm. say, like, let's say you're Odell Beckham Jr. Like, are there what places are there that you don't want to go to? Like, less than Chicago that you want to go to? The Giants, because obviously he doesn't want to go there. The Texans. The Texans. 
The Jets probably still. Unless Mike White okay. changes yeah, right. the, the landscape of the New York Jets. Okay, I'll throw the Jets in there. Um, I don't know. I, I know mean, pe- that... people are going to say Detroit, but like Dan Campbell's actually like, I think he's a good motivator. Like I think he could convince someone to want to come play for him. And Jared Goff, like, you know, Jared Goff's going to throw it to you. <laughs> and Quez Watkins has more receiving yards than Allen Robinson. Yep. So, so what do you, are we at three? Is we're that at, the final we're at, tally? I mean, Jets, Texans, three the, three Lions. The I'm running through the teams. I can't really think of, of anybody ja- else. Jacksonville? Who, uh, even then. Yeah, probably Jack. Like, like is is Jacksonville well. more desirable than Chicago right now? No. Like, well, no, no, it's not. Well, well, here, well, let's make this clear, too. You, you are evaluating this, like, as if there were going to be something happening in the midst of the season, this changes immediately once free agency sure. hits. And once the coach gets fired with a new head coach with Justin Fields, it becomes one of the more attractive locations because Chicago is always going to be an attractive spot because of its market. You have a rookie quarterback or, or you're going to have a young quarterback. Who's got a whole lot of talent, a new head coach. It will be arguably the most attractive place in free agency, but right now, yes, it's in that bottom tier. The thing is, though, and, and, and why it's contradicting, why I'm confused is because Waddle comes on the show and says, well, you don't have the piece. You know, you don't have everything. And I think OBJ is a player that elevates your personnel. Like if you were to grade it on Madden, if you, your offense would probably go from like a an 82 personnel wise to like an 83 or an 84. You get elevated by bringing in a bit of Beckham Jr. So then it's like. Do you, do you take the piece because he elevates you from a personnel standpoint? Or do you look at it like, well, you can't make use of Demir Bird, Marquise going down Robinson. Why aren't you not going to make use of OBJ? It's a conflicting spot where you don't know what to do because it seems like a lose-lose scenario. Yeah. Because you, you, feel like you're, you feel like you're not good enough with your personnel, but you feel like if you do bring a guy who you think is good enough, he's not going to produce. So what yeah. do you, you literally, you're right. You're in a, you're, you, there's nothing you could do that satisfies anybody. So I, and, and Jake, this is, and, and I, people are going to ask why we're talking about this so much. This is a very real scenario. Odo Beckham Jr. is very likely to get cut or waived. I mean, he was excused from practice. The age. Well, we got to do predictions because we got a minute. So wrap it okay, up. Okay. Well, all I'm saying is I think OBJ is going to be available for them. And that conversation will be had. I don't, Predictions, I don't think they're going to grab enough. I don't All right. Maybe bears are six and a half point dogs in Pittsburgh. six and a half. Yep. Give me the spread. I think the bears, uh, I don't want to go first. You go first. I, don't, I, don't <laughs> I, I think the bears lose this game. 17, 14, 17, 14. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to, I don't know, man. The Steelers have been really, really uninspiring. I mean, they, they, and have they've you watched lost the games bears lately. I'm, I'm, yes, yes, I have watched the Bears lately, but this seems like the here. Okay, I'm gonna pick the Bears, and I'm gonna tell you why. And, and I'm gonna, uh, cause I uh, fuck it, I'm, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna pick the Bears. I'm gonna go Bears win 2013. Or yeah, Bears win 2013. They won on a touchdown in the final five minutes, and their defense holds up. Justin Fields first game on primetime Monday Night Football. I think you're gonna see a different player under the lights. He he thrives under pressure. Um, I I, I think that's gonna have a difference and. I'm, I I can't, Jake and I have been agreeing too much. I think we've agreed on pretty much every game other than one. I can't do that. I can't agree with Jake too much. I have to go somewhere different. He picked the Bears to lose. I'm going to pick him to win. This is what I do anyway. I'm the optimist. Bears win 2013. Justin Fields looks good under the lights. All right. That does it for another episode of Bears Nation Podcast. Thank you to Tom Waddle for coming on. We really appreciate his time and for talking with us. That was awesome. The guests roll on. That was great. Kevin, thank you, of course, as always, for being here. Thank you to the listeners and to the people watching. We appreciate you, the people on Twitter. Jake Carmo, I'm sorry. We ran out of time. Otherwise, I would have brought you in, buddy. But anyway, for myself, for Kevin, 
This has been Bears Nation Podcast. Thanks for stopping by. We'll see you next time. And as always, bear down. Bear down.